Good morning. Have you ever noticed how often we lie? Now, I'm not talking about lying to other people. I'm talking this morning about lying to ourselves. Take middle-aged men. We think, I just saw some of the guys start doing it. I didn't give them my, my point yet. And they've already said, yep, yep, yep. They, uh, we still think we're strong as lions, have the balance of a house cat. I mean, just, I, I picked three pictures for you just to see, uh, to help you see what I'm talking about. Now, once upon a time, we may have been indestructible. Do you think any of these situations up on the screen came out well? We, we are no longer men strong as lions or have the balance of a house cat. We, we need to have some tough conversations, some tough talks with ourselves. We need to stop lying to ourselves. We need to tell ourselves the truth. Now, this morning, we're beginning a new series, and the series is Tough Talks. Two weeks from now, it's the, 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 the theme is going to be having tough talks with God. Next week is going to be having tough talks with other people. This morning, it's having tough talks with ourselves. Now, if we tend to lie to ourselves about our physical conditions, perhaps the most common way that we tend to lie to ourselves is about our spiritual condition. We tend to lie about to ourselves about our spiritual condition, we, we don't tell ourselves the truth. And just like those, the pictures on the screen that ended up perhaps in some terrible consequences, if we lie to ourselves and do not have tough talks with ourselves, telling ourselves the truth about our spiritual condition, it too can have some horrible consequences. Now, what's an example about lying to ourselves in terms of our spiritual condition. It, two main ways. I, I'm gonna let this podium represent the cross. And over to my right, which will be to your left, will be seekers. They have not crossed over into a right relationship with God. So over here are followers of Christ, over here are seekers, over here are believers. These folks do not yet have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. All right, seekers tend to tell themselves they are better than God sees them. Seekers tend to tell themselves they are better than the way God sees them. On the other hand, believers tend to tell themselves they are worse than God sees them. Now, let's look at what I mean. Turn, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 2. Turn to your in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter two. And let's look first at how believers tell themselves they are better than God says they are. Ephesians chapter two, I'm just gonna read three verses, verses one, two, and three. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Let me give you five quick ways God sees 
seekers. See, someone, they're searching for a relationship with God, but they've not quite, quite yet crossed over into that real genuine relationship with God. Number one, it says there in verse one, they are trespassers and sinners. Trespassers and sinners. Now, there, there's a little difference in the connotation in both those two words. To trespass means you step over a line. To trespass means I've stepped past a point I should not pass. Whereas sinners means, it's, it's from an archery term, it means I have missed the mark. I have not hit where God wanted me to hit. I have done what's wrong and I have not done what's right. I've missed it on both accounts. I'm a sinner and a trespasser. I've been sharing the gospel the last few weeks. Uh, we've met twice now with a, a friend who owns several restaurants uh, in multi-states, uh, owns a number of restaurants. He's been in church. He said, I sat on the front row growing up. He said, I've been in church all my life. My kids have been in church. But yet he's asking me, he said, something's not right on the inside. And he said, I need a relationship with God. But his perspective, what he tells himself is, but I'm not a bad person. He sees himself better than the way God sees him. God sees him as, you're a trespasser. You've gone past the line. And you're a sinner. You have not hit the mark. You've, not, you've done what's wrong and you've not done what's right. You've missed it on both accounts. That's how God sees him. And it says there, when you were dead in your trespasses and sin, that word dead means to be cut off from God. Now, here's the best way I know how to explain it. I have a body and I have a spirit. I am not my body and I am not my spirit. I am a soul. And our souls are made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Now, I communicate to you, my soul communicates to you through my physical body, through your physical body, to your soul. And we communicate to God through our spirit to the throne of heaven. But it says, and you were dead. When I'm dead physically, I'm cut off from the physical world. I can no longer communicate with you. My body is dead. My soul is cut off. My soul will go forever, but I'm cut off physically. When we are dead spiritually because of our trespasses and sin, then we are cut off spiritually from God. The Bible calls that being dead. We're cut off from God. But we tend to tell ourselves, we're not that bad are we? Let's look at the third one. It says there, verse two, in which you walked according to the course of this world of the spirit, um, excuse me, and the prince of the power of the air. There are three main enemies to the believer. One is the flesh that there's something inside of us. Um, Romans chapter seven calls it the principle of sin. There's this, there's this sin nature inside of us. Even when we've crossed over, then there's the spirit of the world. Everything in television and, and the media bombards us, these value systems that aren't of God. 
And then there's the devil. So these three enemies, there's an inner enemy and there's this outward enemy and there's the prince of the power of the air, the devil, Satan, the dragon, as scripture will call him. This verse means to walk according to, a good translation is to be dominated by. But I'm a good guy. No. I'm a trespasser. I'm a sinner. I'm dead spiritually. I'm cut off from God. And I'm dominated by the world and by the prince of the power of the air. Now, it keeps going. It says, indulging the desires. This is verse 3. Indulging the desire of the flesh and of the mind. To indulge means I feed those lusts. So whether it's, it's thought life or it's some other appetite, I'm feeding it, feeding it, I'm fanning it, I'm indulging it. Whatever it wants, I give it. We are not, as seekers, good people. Then it goes on to say the last one. And we're by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Now, what does that mean? So often in this age, we don't like to talk about wrath. It's a negative topic. So we don't tell ourselves the truth. We don't have these tough talks with ourselves. And what we're telling ourselves is we're okay. We're good people, aren't we? But here it says we're children of wrath, which means because we've trespassed, gone past the line, because we've sinned, we haven't hit the mark, because we're cut off from God, verse 12 says, separated from Christ. Because, because we're dead spiritually, there will be a penalty. And the penalty is God's wrath. Now you may say, where is that in scripture? Well, well I just read one verse to us. We, we need to tell ourselves the truth. But I think of a uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. It says, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God, to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his power. Eternal destruction, retribution. It's standing on that ladder thinking, I've got this. I've got this and not telling themselves the truth. No, you don't have this. This, this could end up with horrible consequences. Well, we need to have these tough talks with ourselves. We need to tell ourselves the truth. So if, if you're a seeker, if you've not come to a place in your life where you've crossed over into a personal relationship with God, I want to give you some homework. Now, Working at CIU, I, I, I was in the classroom for 16 years. So I, I, I love giving homework. It's kind of like payback for all the homework I had to do uh, as a student for all those years. All right, here's, here's your homework. Look down in verses eight and nine. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. I love these verses. It says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that you won't boast about it. 
In other words, God will get the glory. So let me explain this very quickly. Grace means unmerited favor. If it's by works in that verse, if, if I've been good enough, then I've worked for, earned, and deserve eternal life. God, I did it. I worked for it. I never trespassed, and I always hit the mark. But let's be truthful with ourselves. Let's have a tough talk this morning with ourselves. We haven't done that. And as a result, I've worked for, earned, and deserved eternal destruction. But God says, but look, I want to pour out my grace on you. I want to give you a gift. And you can receive it by faith. So what does that mean? So here's your homework. I want you to read these two verses over and over and over again. And when you think, I get it. Then I want you to get on your knees and say, oh God, I don't deserve it. But your son made it possible. And I'm asking you to give me the gift, the free gift of eternal life. Lord Jesus, would you forgive my trespasses where I've crossed the line? Would you forgive my sins where I've missed the mark? Would you pour your grace on me and save me? I want to cross over into a right relationship with you. So your homework, if you're a seeker, get on your knees and just say, God, save me. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift so that no one would boast. Well, let's keep going. So seekers tell themselves they're better than God says they are, but believers tell themselves they are worse than God says they are. Isn't it funny? When I'm over here, I think I'm a really good guy. And I cross over here and our thinking is, I'm a horrible, rotten, terrible person. Let's see what God says about us. Let's have another tough talk. Let's tell ourselves the truth. Let's quit lying to ourselves. Let's see what God says we are. Turn, turn backwards one page, or perhaps one page, and let's look at Ephesians chapter one. I love verse three. Verse three, we're gonna look at verses three through eight. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So what are some of these blessings, these spiritual blessings that he's blessed us with when we cross over into a right relationship with God? Verse four starts out and it says this, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, just as he chose us before this earth was ever created, he looked in the future and he saw you. If you're a believer, he saw you. Ed, he saw you. Sally, he saw you. He says, oh, I want them. Tony, he says, oh, I want you. Luke, he says, I want you. I want you. I want you. There's going to come a time and you're going to be mine. We're not rejected. We are chosen. How many growing up, you were one of the last people to be picked for a sports team competition. When it came to wrestling, I got picked up early 
as long as they were my size. When it came to basketball, I didn't get picked at all. They, they just rather, unless they wanted me to knock out the good guy, you know, I could knock him out and I'd be kicked out and he'd be left out and then they might have a chance. I know what it's like to be rejected, but God doesn't reject us. Tell yourself the truth this morning. Have a tough talk. Not only are you chosen, it says you are holy and blameless. Now, let me, let me explain what that means. It doesn't mean in this life you are perfect. There's, there's two ways. This, this chapter is talking about who we are on the inside from God's perspective. It's our position in Christ. That's, that's kind of a theological phrase. It's who we are because of our right relationship with God. And he sees us not as trespassers and sinners. He sees us as holy and blameless. Friday night, the Bible study, I have the privilege of leading face-to-face uh, -face downtown. I have the privilege of some electronic Bible studies. This one's face-to-face. -face. We had a dinner together. And the person in whose home we ate Two years ago, I began sharing the good news of God's love and forgiveness, that by grace, he could be saved through faith. And it wasn't because of who, what he had done. It was a gift. All he needed to do was receive it. But he didn't accept Christ. He got involved in our Bible study for a year and that Bible study ended and we multiplied into new groups and he got involved. I wanted to keep him close. So he got involved in our new Bible study and month went after month after month and so now we'd been in a Bible study with us for about a year and a half. And one day after the Bible study, we're in the parking lot. We're about to get, he's getting his car. I'm getting in my car. We're parked beside each other. And I said, hey, when are you going to invite Christ to come into your heart? He says, I, I don't know. I said, look, you have until Thanksgiving. And he goes, well, my job, we, we live and die by deadlines. All right, Thanksgiving. It was eight days away. The day before Thanksgiving, I text him and says, did I say before Thanksgiving or on Thanksgiving? He said, on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving, he asked Christ to come into his heart. Now, this guy was one hard-nosed guy. That was November. Friday night, was July 31st, he welcomed us into his home and he reached out and he held his wife and they had had a rough go of it before he'd come to Christ. He said, welcome to our home. Let me lead us in prayer. And when he prayed, it was so powerful that during dinner, he was in the other room and half of us were in this room. And the conversation around the table started discussing how powerful his prayer was. This holy and blameless, God declares us holy and righteous. And then he begins, that's on the inside, and then he begins to work on the outside who we now are on the inside. It's not like self-help books, start on the outside and try to work our 
way on the inside and make us better. No, God says that doesn't work. I'm going to change you on the inside and then you will become who you are on the outside, holy and blameless. Let's do a third one. It says, we are loved. When we're believers, we're loved. We're not unloved. I don't care if every person in the world hates you, you're loved by the Father God. And his love is the love that counts. You know, I'm a granddaddy now. We have nine and a half grandchildren. We've had one since I last was with you. And by the way, you know, I need to, before we... uh, I need to confess one thing. Speaking of holy and blameless, I need to confess one thing. It's so good to be back with you. But you guys hired a new staff person. And when you hired him, I got bumped from the preaching rotation. So I'm just confessing. I've been praying that he would do something wrong and you would fire him. (laughs) Then I found out that he's a graduate of CIU. So I said, oh, I can't pray that he gets fired. So I'm now praying that he's sick, deathly sick once a month so I can come back. So I just had to get that out of the way. Speaking of holy and blameless, I was feeling very convicted up here. All right, so love, let's look at love. This this is a picture of one of my grandchildren. He's number two. And as they're pulling it up, this was taken about a week and uh, about two weeks ago. And if you're a fisherman, you know that's not a brim. It is not a bass. It's a carp. A carp is not, it's a, it's not a fish you really want to catch. But I had taught him with his little three-foot rod. He was casting a little uh, spinner bait, and he caught four little bass and two brim. And then he heard this big swoosh because we were feeding bread to some brim over here with the other little uh, grandchildren. And he goes, ooh, I want to catch that one. So I hooked him up a rod with braided line and a number four hook. And he threw out there with some bread and he hooked this thing. He fought it for 10 minutes. At one point, his arms were just aching. He looked up at me, says, Granddaddy, the only question now is, who's going to give up first, me or the fish? So 10 minutes later, he's exhausted. I, I picked up the fish and then he looked up at me with these big brown eyes and he goes, Granddaddy, you're going to mount it for me, aren't you? I called the taxidermist and said, I, I have a grandson right beside me who's listening to every word. I'm bringing you a carp. You're going to mount it for us, aren't you? Granddaddy's heart will do anything for their grandchildren because we love them. But God loves us far more than that. If we finish here, verse predestined us, verse five, he predestined us to adoption as sons. We are no longer children of wrath, like chapter two, verse three. We're now children of God. We've been adopted into his family. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. He's chosen us. He's adopted us. And then it goes on in verse seven and eight. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Not only are you chosen, holy and blameless, loved and adopted, but you are forgiven. Do you want to know how forgiven you are? Because over here, we often feel so guilty 
But that's not who we are. We need to tell ourselves the truth about how God sees us. Here's how forgiven we are. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. It doesn't say north to south, because if I go south, at one point I'm going north again. There's a distance here to here. But east to the west, if I go east, I never ever go west. It's endless. Isaiah 38, 17 says, he's put our sins, he's cast them behind his back. Jeremiah 31, 34 says, he forgives our sins and he remembers them no more. Micah chapter seven, verse 19 says, he's taken our sins and he's cast them to the depths of the sea. We need to have some tough talks this week with ourselves. We need to tell ourselves the truth. And if you're a seeker, here's your homework assignment. Ephesians chapter one, verses 18 and 19. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what he's calling you to be, that you'll know that. What is the riches of the glory? Now catch this, this is the real homework right here. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Not our inheritance with God. Not what do we get out of this deal. But what's the riches of the glory of his inheritance? It's what he gets. What he gets is you and me. That blows my mind. He thinks he got a good deal. And what's the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? That's your homework. I want you to read it over and over again this week and pray it. God, open the eyes of my heart. Let me see the truth about who I am, who you say I am. We need to have some tough talks this week about ourselves. Why? Because the consequences are so important. See yourself as God sees you.